What's going on, everybody? I'm Thomas Robertson. I'm here with Katie Harper, and we're your hosts for Outside the Glass. This is episode 11, and we've got a handful of great topics for everybody. Starting off with some pretty much breaking news just came out maybe about an hour ago from the time we're recording this. Kevin Shattenkirk is looking like he could be out for the rest of the season with a torn meniscus. What do you think about that, Katie? What kind of effect could that have on this Ranger team? Uh, that hurts the Rangers a lot. I mean, that's a team that they're still in the hunt for a playoff spot. They still could make a deep run in the playoffs, and to lose him, who's easily one of their best defenders, consistently game in and game out, that hurts. Definitely. He's their top-scoring defenseman right now, and he's going to be undergoing surgery for that meniscus. So they're saying out indefinitely, but... For my money, he's going to be missing the rest of the season easily and definitely a big blow. They just got him over the offseason from this Washington Capitals team who who enjoyed his talents for quite a while, ran that success in the playoffs, couldn't make it to the final, but he brings a lot of different skill that a lot of defensemen in this league don't have. Great puck mover, great offensive guy to have on that blue line especially. If there is a silver lining in it, thankfully for the Rangers, it happened before the trade deadline, so they can kind of mess around with that for a little bit. But That's true. He's still someone you can't really replace that easily. Exactly. Very tough to, re- to replace a guy like that. But speaking of the trade deadline and defenseman, Jack Johnson, Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman, actually requested a trade from the team just the other day. And... There's there's a few things to consider here. Columbus has specific needs for what they would want to get out of a guy like Johnson. They're they're a contender. They're definitely in the playoff picture, so they definitely wouldn't want to give up a guy like Johnson for just picks or prospects. They'd need some kind of immediate return. So who do you think are some potential suitors for Johnson right now, Katie? Right now my top team that could use Johnson the most would probably be the Maple Leafs. Uh, you have, I would say, endless amount of forward power in that city right now. You have a uh, you have a goalie in Frederick Anderson who's playing well. You have Matthews. You have Nylander. You have Marner. You have Van Riemsdyk. You list is endless of who you have up there. And but the only thing they're struggling with right now is the defenseman positions. You have some guys that are playing in the top four spots for uh, defense that necessarily wouldn't be doing that in other situations. So I think if they can get him into the Maple Leafs lineup, that would be great for them and great into the playoffs because they need right now someone to help them kind of finish out games and not blow leads late. 100%. That's definitely been the Maple Leafs' biggest problem is on that back end. And – a couple of things about Johnson. He's got a $4.3 million cap hit, which is pretty high, but pretty much the going rate for a top four defenseman right now with a lot of the signings we saw in the offseason. And again, like you said, they're going to want to forward, and the Maple Leafs do have that. I think that's a really good team to watch as well. Uh, a couple of potential guys they might want to deal would be – they wouldn't want to give up, I think, a lot of that, those young core yeah. – like Don't Matthews. expect like yeah. Well, Matthews definitely not. <laughs> Nylander, no. Not Marner, Nylander, no. They're Don't expect too young. to see them to go. Definitely, they're they're too valuable. But maybe Van Riemsdyk. He's getting up there, twenty eight years old. He is a, he produces a lot of points. So I think that 
they would probably have to throw something else in that deal. The Blue Jackets would. But another guy to watch could be Tyler Bozak, who is the same age as Johnson. They're both 31. And Bozak gives you more of just a role player type of type of production. He can he can score 20 goals around there, maybe a 40 point player. So I think that could be a pretty fair one-on-one swap uh, looking for maybe a fourth defenseman for Bozak. Um, and both of those guys would free up enough cap room for the Maple Leafs, both around a $4 million cap hit. So that could be pretty much the ideal situation for both of those teams. I think they could both get exactly what they want in a deal like that. Yeah, That's the good thing for the Maple Leafs. They have cap room just because they have so many young guys that are still on rookie contracts, so they're not taking too big of cap hits right now. Right. And... This is really, I, from what I've seen, the Blue Jackets are going to want to try to take their time with this deal, not rush it and, and get um, not a high enough return. But they're also kind of desperate because they have a really depleted forward core. They're missing Cam Atkinson, Brandon Dubinsky, and Sonny Milano actually just went on IR for them as well. Mm-hmm. So three really big forwards for them that contributed a lot for that team are out. They just picked up UC Jokinen off waivers, who's been bouncing around this season. So... It's they're they're gonna want to get something done soon because that that lack of forward production really could hurt them because they're competing for a playoff spot right now. And did also see their eyeing Galchenyuk or they are eyeing Galchenyuk maybe early on or before the season, but not sure how that's gonna work out with Montreal because I'm not sure they're gonna be looking to make a trade. They're not really contending for the playoffs right now, and that's Galchenyuk's a. a, a asset that could pay off in the future. Yeah, and I don't I don't think uh, Galchenyuk for Johnson is a really even match trade. Gal- Galchenyuk's still young. He still has room to grow and improve. Johnson kind of on the back end of his career. He's already in his 30s. Like, it's not going to be a even trade. Exactly, and especially Montreal was... Galchenyuk's been a little bit of a roller coaster this season. They were expecting mm-hmm. a lot out of him and some continued development, but Hasn't quite shown it yet, but there's definitely still a lot of potential there. One other team that I that I think could possibly be targeting Johnson would be the New York Islanders. I've talked a fair amount about them in in the past week or so. Uh, wrote an article that's up on the website, puresportsnetwork.com, about the Islanders um, and how what struggles they've had. They have such an incredible offense. For my money, honestly, the best offense in the league uh, for the Islanders, but their defense is horrible. They let up some of the most shots in the league. Over the past like 10 games or so, they've had more than half their games letting up around 40 shots. So they need a D-man to shut that down. And Jack Johnson is a guy that's capable on the back end, even though he's getting up in age. He's definitely still a very capable defenseman. The Islanders could look at a couple forwards they could possibly give up Andrew Ladd has a similar cap hit he's not done maybe as much as they would have hoped this season only about 18 points for Ladd and then that could be a possible one-on-one deal Jackets might have to throw in a late round pick and then also maybe Jordan Eberle they'd have to throw in more for Eberle definitely maybe a high draft pick or a more capable prospect but with a guy like Eberly, the Jackets could really add more potency on offense and become a much stronger contender. So those are a couple teams, Maple Leafs, Islanders, I think, that could possibly be in the hunt for, for Jack Johnson. In terms of T 
teams that are that are surging right now. The Calgary Flames are on a seven-game winning streak. They are actually on their bye week right now. They're looking to come back tomorrow. I believe they have a game tomorrow. Um, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow night, uh, and they play the Jets tomorrow. Okay, so they're looking to stay hot when they come back against the Jets tomorrow. Right now. There's been multiple factors that have led to, to their success, starting with their two stars producing a lot of points. Johnny Gaudreau, 13 points in the seven-game win streak. Monaghan with 10 in that streak. Didn't even play the last game. He had flu-like symptoms, I believe, just an illness, so shouldn't be anything long-term for Monaghan. But those guys have been producing a lot, really leading to some of their success. But it's been a lot more than just that, hasn't it, Katie? Yeah, they're, they got lucky with... Uh the trade in the offseason that got them Mike Smith from Arizona. He's currently posting a uh, .924 save percentage, which is on pace to be his best of his career, and he's had a lengthy career. He's only allowing 2.46 goals. He has been their brick wall in the back that they needed. They've always, in my eyes, been a team that's like one step away, could be that late playoff contender team, and then... In past years, it has been their goaltending that's kind of faltered towards the end of the season because, I mean, their stars are going to keep scoring. But with him, they've looked good. Their defense has been good. They have some young guys on back there that have really just been the extra protection they need before it gets to Smith. But, yeah, they've been, they've been good. They haven't lost since December 29th. They've had a really good 2018 so far, and I don't expect it to stop anytime soon. Definitely. And you talked about Mike Smith exactly with those great numbers on the season. And over this streak, 9-4-1 save percentage and a 2.0 goals allowed. So not only has he had a great full campaign, but even heating up in terms of those last handful of games that he's played. And they got some secondary guys going too. Michael Furland had nine points in this streak, four goals. Tell me about some of those other secondary guys that, that the Flames have going for them, Katie. Yeah, I think the Flames this year, let's put them up past teams, other uh, teams in the past. So they do have more of a depth. You have someone like Matthew Kachuk, who's young, but he has been fun to watch. He's been producing uh, at a consistent rate. He has, Obviously, he's not like the big-name stars, but he's definitely growing into his position of kind of being that feisty, nitty-gritty player that's going to win the battles. Um, he has... The season, 13 goals, 18 assists, which is passing last season already for him. Um, and then looking forward, because this team is one that I expect to make the playoffs and really contend towards the Stanley Cup if they keep playing this way, they have guys on this roster that they may not be the best players on the team, they may not be the best players around the league, but they have the experience in the playoffs. They have Troy Brower, who's been in that situation. He's won a Stanley Cup. You have Michael Froelich and Chris Versteeg, who have won a Cup. Froelich and uh, Versteeg are on IR right now, but they possibly are back sooner rather than later, at least for Froelich. Um, so they have depth this year that I think will help them in the playoffs when it comes to that time. And I think this team is – I think – they will win this year, at least one playoff series. I don't think they're going to be a one-and-done team. Absolutely. And like you talked about, great mix of, of young guys but also veterans that can provide experience. And one other thing that's been leading to their success recently is their D-men are jumping into the offense, getting involved, 
Dougie Hamilton, five-game point streak for them right now. Mark Giordano, six points uh, in this seven-game win streak. So a couple of guys that are leading that defensive core in points with 22 and 21 on the season, and they're heating up at the right time, getting involved, and it seems just like everything's coming together at the right time for this Flames team. And what is unfortunate is they're getting so hot at this time, but then they run into that bye week. And that's going to happen to teams, you know, with this new bye week the NHL is implementing. That's that's bound to happen at some point. But what I especially hate about it is every team in the league had their bye week from January 7th to January 19th, somewhere in that time frame. And then the all-star break is the 26th to the 29th. So it doesn't really make any sense to me where they put the bye week because you have teams like the Flames that are so hot, they come back from the bye week looking to carry that momentum, and even if they do, they run into another break over that four-day stretch. So that's that really hurts teams, especially like the Flames that are getting hot during this time. And what it does do that could have a benefit is allow some teams to to recover and get healthy going into that final push towards towards the springtime. And one of the guys, you talked about a couple of those other veterans on the Flames that are hurt, but Yarmir Yager, obviously, for this Flames team, he he is on IR with lower body injury. He's been struggling with it. And that's definitely, you have to attribute that to his age at 45 years old, which is absolutely insane. And Katie's going to give us a little bit of perspective on just what that really means. Yeah, listen, I love Yarmir Yager. I... I mean, the fact is, he's been in the league for... He he made his debut in 1990, so he's been playing for seven years longer than I've been alive, and I just, I've never experienced an NHL without him, besides those couple of years where he was playing overseas, but I love the man. I want him to make it to 50. I don't think he will, but just... Just some stats to throw out there about how long he's been playing. At the start of this season, he would, his NHL career was older than 52% of the guys playing in the <laughs> NHL alongside him. Oh um, I mean, you could look at it and be like, well, Connor McDavid wasn't born when he started. But you could also look at the fact that when he made his debut in 1990, uh, Patrick Kane was not even two years old yet, and Patrick Kane is currently in his, uh, has already been in the NHL for 10 years. Um when he was drafted, he was still technically from Czechoslovakia. It wasn't the Czech Republic yet. And I I just think it's so cool how long he's lasted, and it is. It's hard to see him kind of on the tail end of his career because I think he's someone that may not necessarily bring great games every single night. He may not be scoring a large number of goals every season, but he does bring this like uh, his passion for the game with him he brings experience and that's why I'm pulling trade him trade him to Arizona get him in that locker room give him hope because um, I don't know Arizona's not going to win this year so send him there let him finish out the year maybe he can turn things around for him and in retrospect and like make them believe in themselves but yeah I don't like seeing him on his on the last leg of his career because I think he's just been so fun to watch and just such a character too like how you're not going to get a Yamir Yager ever again in my opinion who's going to last as long as he has no I don't I don't see it happening either and you talked about uh everything that he brings I mean obviously right now if uh, if, if anyone else were to sign him you're not going to get 
can't expect too much production, but incredibly, he was 43 years old just two seasons ago, put up 66 points, but it looks like those days are over for him. But again, like you said, he just brings so much, so many other qualities. If you bring him into a locker room, I think it's going to make everybody better just because they see somebody that they looked up to as kids when they played the game. Yeah. Like every single person that's in the league right now Definitely was, watching this guy, was watching this guy play, exactly. So so it just makes everybody else want to play better and, and show one of their idols that they can be a successful player in the league. And it, I'm looking at, at his, his career right now, and he's really never had a whole lot of, of struggles in terms of missing games. It looks like pretty much every season – that he's had in the league, he's played over 60 games, never really missed yeah. a huge chunk of time. So what he's dealing with right now is this must be hard for him. Yeah, not being it's able the to get age out there. thing. It really is. Like the fact that he's never really had too big of injury problems through his career and he's having it now, it really right. is showing that it's because he's up there in age and right. probably shouldn't be playing at this level. <laughs> right. But still, like he still could, in yeah. my opinion. It's going to be hard to keep him off the ice because he, he wants to play yeah. the game, but... I almost wouldn't be shocked if, like, he calls it quits in the NHL but goes overseas and plays. Because, in my opinion, like, he could still go overseas somewhere and play and be a consistent player in a different league. Absolutely. I I think it's no question that he would want to stay in the NHL, but it's just a matter of, like, what team's going to sign him, who wants him. You know, you talked about the Coyotes. It's possible because of just how bad they are, but... (laughs) But there, yeah, there's that, too much young talent in this league right. the, that he he can't beat out some of these young guys. And anymore. the game is just changing in general. We have so much. It's getting so much faster. More speed. And, exactly, and I'm just not sure that Yager. There's one goal that he had this year. I talked about it when it happened on the podcast, but it, it just looked like it was on an odd man rush on a two on one, and Yager's coming down on the left side without the puck and he gets the pass and puts it home but it looked like he was going to die skating down <laughs> the ice like it looked he was really huffing and puffing going down there so just not sure sure what he's got left in the tank but it's been incredible to watch him do what he's done in this league absolutely I think everybody around the league should just trade him really fast and then that way he plays for every single team in the league <laughs> exactly we were talking about this before the show started that um, the NBA has like 10 day contracts the NFL has short-term, like, yeah, one-day one contracts. Yeah, and we were, we were wondering if there's something similar in the NHL. I'm not really sure if that's ever happened, if, if they sign short-term contracts like that. But it'd be something else to see him turn 50 and have a team, maybe like Pittsburgh where he started, sign him to yeah, a 10-day contract cool. to let him finish out his career at 50 years old. I know, like, the Blackhawks have been doing this thing recently where it's one last shift, and so they'll bring back a veteran. Like, they've had Jeremy Roenick do it this year. But I don't think they sign them mm-hmm. so they can retire. I think they just have them come out and skate with the team for warm-ups. But right. even that would still be cool, getting right. to do that at, like, 50 in Pittsburgh or something. Absolutely. He'd still be able to show up some people, even at 50, I think. He's just got <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. so savvy, so skillful. And speaking of the Blackhawks, you just talked about them um, doing that doing that program with Ronick. They have had some – there's been some drama surrounding this team – over the past few days in terms of their star goaltender, Corey Crawford. And it's it's troubling news coming out of Chicago. It looks like he's going to be missing a chunk more time. Possibly even it was swirling around. He could miss the rest of the year. 
Uh, tell me a little bit more about what is happening right now in Chicago, Katie. Yeah, a couple days ago it came out that reports started to surface that he was dealing with uh, symptoms of vertigo, which he has dealt with in past seasons. Um, most notably, it happened, I think, in 2015. He came back right before the playoffs and it was fine. Great, they won and everything. But if it is vertigo, it's not good for them because it, Corey Crawford, at the beginning of the season especially, when their offense was struggling and couldn't find the back of the net, Corey Crawford was a brick wall. Like, nothing was getting past him. He was on fire. He was doing so well. But to see him go down with possible vertigo symptoms, it's hard. But, of course, there's controversy on if he even has vertigo. Um, There have been, I think it was Stan Bowman came out and said that he thought it was just a concussion, but at the same time, Stan Bowman isn't involved necessarily with the medical aspect of hockey. Right. So that's hard to see because, I mean, they have Forsberg um, and Glass who, they're decent backups, but you can't rely on those two guys to carry a team into the playoffs like you could with Crawford. So if Chicago wants any shot of maintaining this playoff streak that they have going, they need to find a goalie at the trade deadline. And obviously you don't, they're not going to want to sign a guy that – or they're, they're not going to want to trade for a guy who they would have to give up some of their player, like younger guys who are kind of coming into themselves right, right. now. So I was thinking maybe Ronta from the Coyotes. He has playoff experience. He has experience with the Blackhawks. He's been teammates with several of the guys in their lineup, and he's someone that – he's a free agent at the end of the year, so the Blackhawks could necess- – they could give up one of their backup goalies and maybe – a lower end draft pick and be fine and have him as an option going into the playoffs if they can get there. Right. If they were going to make a deal like that with the with a team like the Coyotes, they would probably also have to give up some kind of future asset, like you said, a pick, maybe a prospect, because of just the fact that mm-hmm. they're a rebuilding team right now. But I definitely think it would be smart for this team to make a move. Forsberg, career 3-4 GAA, under, nine, uh, under 900 save percentage. So not necessarily, just not really the type of guy that you want to lean on glass this season above three goals allowed average. 9-10 save percentage, which is not horrible, but you look at that goals allowed mark and, and it's not really what you want to see, especially for a team that's used to having postseason success. Mm-hmm. It would definitely be smart of them. A guy like Ronta brings you the, the playoff experience, but maybe not as much skill uh, to get to the playoffs. Once he's in the playoffs, he's been in that p- position before, so you could maybe lean on him more like a guy like what I would say maybe Philip Grubauer back up for the Capitals. He's been in the conversation for a lot of teams that are looking for another goaltender because not a whole lot of teams are in the position to give up their star starting goaltender. The Capitals obviously have Braden Holby. He's not going anywhere. But the Caps have one of the best goaltending prospects in the league with Ilya Samsonov. So they could afford to give up a better backup like they have with Grubauer. He's one of the best backups in the league. So if you want a guy like Ranta, then you're banking on making the playoffs and getting there and then using that experience. But a guy like Grubauer could help you in the regular season more so than Ranta, mm-hmm. I feel, as is he, as he is a better goaltender yeah, with, overall. With Grubauer, though, you do have to give up more, in my opinion, because I like for pa- the past couple of years, I've always saw- – uh, view Grubauer as someone who is on the way to being a starter in this league and so to get Grubauer you will have to give up more and then you also have that problem next year it's like 
you do have a more consistent one-two punch when Crawford eventually comes back, but it's like, do you want to give up so much to get Grubauer when, uh, in the best-case scenario, you go into next season and you have Crawford again and you just put Grubauer on the bench? It's kind of hard right, right now in that situation. And that could also that could also throw off their cap a little bit if they were to, to re-sign Grubauer because he, he's going to command a little bit more money, I think, as he's, he's more of an up-and-coming goaltender that's really starting to come into his own. Ranta could be, like you said, contract up, could be a good rental player to get. They, they wouldn't really have to deal with that. I'm sure they wouldn't really worry about re-signing him after they use him mm-hmm. for the remainder of the season. So definitely could be a smart move to make Man, there. The Blackhawks have had some success with the whole rental player aspect. Sam Bowman has been good with how he handles it and how he does it. So I don't know. It will be interesting to see what happens and if any more developments come out with what Crawford is going for or going through. Because ideal situation, Crawford is just going through like a mild concussion and will come back. But if it is that vertigo, that's – bad for them. Absolutely. We're talking trade right now, but we don't know if it's going to have to come to that point or not. Just speculation, obviously. We we love to speculate, but ideally he comes back for them, and if he doesn't, they could be in trouble right now because they haven't had the season that they've wanted to have. Um, and they're finding the success now with their offense. Like they're scoring goals, but the problem is like their goalies are giving them right back up. So. Exactly. They were... They're they're starting to find their stride, especially on the offensive end, with with a lot of they have more they they have more younger talent than they are used to having mm-hmm. on that team. Normally rely on a lot of veteran guys and core forwards, but definitely leaning more on some younger guys. And yeah, it's just happened. It's been a horrible timing for them to lose Crawford, just because they got off to such a shaky start, and now they're starting to heat up, but they don't have Crawford. Yeah, very unfortunate situation in Chicago. And speaking of, of, of forward, young forwards, there, there's been a guy in this league that's just taken it by storm, and I don't think he's gotten enough credit uh, in terms of just how good he is. I think people talk about him, he gets some buzz, but truly an elite forward in this league is Matthew Barzell for the New York Islanders, coming off of 10 points in three games just just about a week ago, and just incredible skill incredible speed tell me a little bit more about this young forward in new york katie yeah this guy i going into the season he was not someone on my radar for anything rookie of the year any of that like if you would have asked me even like three months ago who i would have picked for rookie of the year i would have said clayton keller but now barzal has been unbelievable he's so far as like 47 games, 16 goals, 32 assists, he is on fire right now. He is currently leading NHL rookies in points and assists. He's in second for goals. Um, and then on top of that, if you just look NHL players in general, he's 15th in the league for points and 13th in assists, which in my opinion is really big for him. He was drafted in 2015. He was 16th overall. So he was one of those players. It's like, yeah, you could build a franchise around. He could be that big-name guy for you, but he's not going to be, to put it in comparison, he wasn't going to be a Connor McDavid who came out in the same draft class as him. He was just going to be one of those more consistent, good players. But I think right now he is showing what he can do and how good he can be because he is on pace to string together a rookie year similar to what Connor McDavid did. Right. And you mentioned Barzell being in the same class as McDavid. This guy... 
quote me on it. He is a McDavid caliber player. You put him on a line with anybody, and he, it makes that line worthy of being a top line. That's just how good he is. He makes everyone around him better. He's had Jordan Everly scoring 15 goals, t- over 20 assists already this season. So it, it, what he does, is I talked, I've been talking about this for the whole season, is that he can do it in so many different ways. He creates goals on the rush like no other with his speed. It's, on, it's incredible. But he is also one of the best forwards in the league at possessing the puck in the offensive zone. He keeps the puck. It's just incredible if you watch these Islanders games. He just wheels around in the offensive zone, just skating behind the goal, looping back around, cuts back, makes another one, goes around the goal again. It's and Patrick Kane-esque. Exactly. Like, kind of holds onto the puck the way Patrick Kane does. It's incredible to watch. And so he can do that. He can create consistent zone time, but he can also burn you on the rush. And that's what makes him so dangerous is you just don't know how to defend this guy. So... Right, put me down right now. Calder Trophy winner is going to be Matthew Barzell, and you talked about you didn't have him on your radar. There's no way I would have had him on my radar either, except my roommate's a huge Islander fan, and he's been telling me about this guy all off season. He, for some reason, he knew. I guess he's in touch with, with what the Islanders organization is doing. But he knew, <laughs> he knew Barzell was going to be was going to be this much of a difference maker, and it's panned out for those Islander fans. He has been absolutely incredible to watch. And my thing with him, I, it's not even that I didn't think he was going to be a good player. I watched him last year in the World Junior Championship, and he was Team Canada. Of course, he's on Team Canada, and they always have like a large supply of really good young players. And he, he wasn't necessarily the best on their team. He wasn't the one that like his star shined the brightest. But he's come into the NHL this year, and he is going at his own pace and his own pace is really fast and really good like one thing I found in the whole month of December which he had a really good month of December he had 12 points so far in January he already has 12 points unreal and I mean he his only there's only been three games so far in the 2018 calendar year that he hasn't recorded a point he I don't know he is definitely a star in the making he's going to be in the NHL for a long time. And he can score in bunches too, two five-point games already this season, which is insane. Incredible. I, I wrote about it. Like He's had multiple already this year. Patrick Kane just had his first five-point game last week. Like, exactly. So he's, he's just... He's good. Yeah, he's the real deal. And speaking of that, it's, it's pretty funny. The Islanders played the Bruins last night. Bruins get the, the upper hand on them, 5-2. to two. But what's funny about that is you mentioned that that 2015 draft class, the Bruins had three picks in the first round, 13, 14, and 15. And where did Barzell go? We talked about this already. He went 16th. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know Boston's kicking themselves. If they had just used one of those three picks right in front of the Islanders to get Barzell, they'd be sitting pretty right now with McAvoy, Barzell, Marchand. They would just be so potent. I think it's also important to note, as I was telling you earlier, uh, the Islanders didn't have a first-round pick going into that draft day in 2015. They had, I think it was something in the 70s, they had a later pick, and um, they traded with Edmonton, and all they gave up to get Barzal was Griffin Reinhardt, who is someone still, he's 23, he has potential, he still could produce, but he hasn't been anything big. And right. to give up just him to get that draft pick to take Barzal is insane for the Islanders. And even funnier about that is... 
one of Barzell's line mates, Jordan Everly, was also acquired in a trade from the Islanders or from the Oilers. <laughs> yeah. So the, the Islanders, the Islanders been, are winning these trades they've right just now. Been, they've just been picking the Oilers. What, they gave up Strom for Everly. Like, exactly. They're, like they're you can, enjoying these Edmonton trades right now. You could almost directly attribute the. Uh, Failures of the Oilers this season to what they've <laughs> what they've given the Islanders, and so that's been that's been funny to watch. But again, Bruins do get the better hand of the Islanders last night. Eberle Bar- does get a goal with an assist from Barzell, but not enough for the Islanders. A couple other notable games from last night: New Jersey topped the Washington Capitals four to three, and the Devils outplayed the Caps in every aspect in this game. Thirty-two shots on goal. Capitals only able to get nineteen. If it weren't for Schneider being out with, I think he had just some illness symptoms, uh, the, the Devils could have easily shut the Capitals out in this one, but Kincaid gave up a few uh, suspect goals. Taylor Hall gets the overtime winner for New Jersey, and what a season he's having. 47 points in 42 games for Taylor Hall, and he can do it all for them. Philadelphia takes down the Maple Leafs 3-2. to two. We were just talking about the Maple Leafs earlier in the show, how, how they need a little bit of help on defense, and Philadelphia is able to take advantage of that 3-2. to two. Philadelphia, kind of a dark horse. Yeah. They, they've got so much talent on offense that, that people have heard about with Couturier, Giroux, Voracek. That's, that top line, easily one of the best in the league, without question, with what they've been able to do. And they've also allowed five goals less than the league average. So, respectable blue line for Philadelphia as well. Toronto's struggling a little bit lately. Frederick Anderson went off on his team after <laughs> he was, that game. Yeah, he was not happy with his team. He called him out because, in my opinion, Anderson has been everything the Maple Leafs need him to be this season. He has been strong in net. He has been consistent in net. And his team is letting him down. They, he said it himself. He was like, we can't be okay with two periods. And that's what they have been doing all, for a lot of the season. They've been playing for the first two periods, and they've been playing great. They've been taking the lead. And the third period rolls around, and it's like they never came back out of the locker room to finish out the game. Right. Uh, I think you can possibly attribute that to just some of the youth they have mm-hmm. on the team. Um, top four scores are all 23 or younger which is incredible if you look at it. Scary for the future for other teams. Oh, my gosh. Matthew's 20 years old, Nylander 21, Marner 20, Morgan Riley 23. And Morgan Riley's really been that shining spot on them for for defense. Other than that, they don't have a whole lot uh, that's been helping them out in terms of production and also just stopping other teams. So they pick up the loss to Philadelphia 3-2 last night. The Rangers topped the Sabres 4-3. Big win for New York, but they suffer a huge loss with Shattenkirk, as we talked about on the beginning of the show. So that's a really big blow for this Rangers team. They've had a, they got a couple of long-term injuries already. Chris Kreider out for unknown period of time with that blood clot, but certainly not coming back in the n- near future. So that's just another big loss for this Ranger team especially on defense. He's, he's their top-scoring defenseman, and that's definitely going to hurt them. But they do pick up the win last night. Colorado tops San Jose Sharks 5-3. to three. Eight games in a row now for Colorado. How incredible is that, Katie? That's I'm, – I'm actually I'm, – I'm proud of them. Like, that is a team that coming into the season wasn't predicted to do much, and they are really showing that they are a good team, and they're youthful, and they have the skill. And uh, going into the season – 
me personally, I didn't expect a lot out of him because of the whole dark cloud with Duchesne and even when they traded him, I'm like, well, they're giving away a great player. They're not going to bounce back, but they have, and they have done a great job, especially McKinnon. Like, he is coming into his own, I think, now, and he is showing why he is a future star of this league. Absolutely. He's incredible. Miko Rantanen has been incredible beside him as well. You talked about that dark cloud of Duchesne hanging over them. It was kind of a lose-lose for them because if they don't get rid of him, that's just kind of bringing the whole team down. It's, it's really was distracting the team from from playing up to their potential, I think. But then again, like you said, once they get rid of him, you're just losing a quality player. But it seems as if it's freed up the play of everybody else on the team, especially the forwards. Like you said, Nathan McKinnon has been incredible. Landis Gogg's producing at a great rate this season. Rontanen come out of nowhere for them. So, absolutely. They... And again, you said you didn't expect a whole lot out of them. I don't think anybody did, mm-hmm. honestly. They were predicted to be one of the worst teams in the league. But they get to put five goals up on arguably the best defense in the league in the Sharks team. They don't allow nearly any goals. So, been really fun to watch this Avalanche team, especially over the last eight games. Vegas tops the Tampa Bay Lightning last night 4-1. to one. One, That's, Yeah, one went away from the NHL, tying the NHL lead right now with... Uh, the Lightning, so it's an interesting game, interesting for them to win it that commanding, in that commanding fashion. That's right, and Vegas um, yeah, these are two of the top teams in the league right now, so was definitely a must watch last night and yeah, like you said, very surprising to see Vegas get get that convincing of a win, not necessarily a win, they've been really hot lately, had that 13 game win streak going for them uh, until that was spoiled by the St. Louis Blues. But Tampa Bay has been falling off a little bit from from what they've been used to this season. They started off absolutely dominant. But over the last handful of games, they have they have fallen off pace a little bit. Let's see, what, what has it been? They've lost two straight. They've lost... For their last six games, actually, so they're they're definitely starting to slide a little bit. Not anything to be too concerned about if you're a Lightning fan, just because of all the talent that they have uh, in net, on D, and in the forward position. Again, they've got all three phases of the game worked out fine. But I'm someone that's like thinks it's inevitable to not experience a rough patch in a season, and it's better that they're experiencing this rough patch right now. It's just middle of the season can brush it off once they get over it and that way you can go into the playoffs on a better note so I think nothing to worry about in Tampa Bay right now absolutely I mean with especially the way they were winning games to start the season that's just unsustainable so like kind of like you're saying maybe get some of those losses out of your system and then come back stronger for springtime uh so that's few more than notable games from last night. Tonight, a smaller slate of games, only three. You've got the Capitals on the back end of their back-to-back hosting the Canadians. That's... It's a winnable game. Definitely a winnable game for the Capitals at home, especially the Capitals have been so good at home, not only this season, but really over the past three or four years, they've just been able to dominate teams at home. Definitely got the Capitals in that one. Might as well take the over. A lot of talent on offense for the Caps. So, again, like the Caps and the over at home there. Panthers hosting the Golden Knights. Golden Knights also have a back-to-back. 
What are you What are you expecting to see out of that one, Katie? Uh, even though the Panthers are, are are at home, Golden Knights, I still say they take that in commanding fashion too, because it's just not, in my opinion, it's not too much of an even matchup with the two teams, and I just think that the Knights are rolling. They're going to keep rolling for a little bit, and I think they'll win it pretty hand. Like I think they'll do pretty well tonight. Absolutely, they especially coming off that huge win last night. They got to be feeling good. I'm also going to take the Golden Knights. I don't think it will be as convincing maybe as you think it will be, be just because of the the offensive talent the Panthers do have. They have a few guys, a few young guys that have really been impressive this season. I mean, you look at Jonathan Huberto, Vincent Trocek. They've they've been incredible for this team. At Barkoff for the for the Panthers have been incredible. So I think they can put up a few goals, but I do expect the Knights to come out on top in a high more high scoring matchup. It'll be a close one, but I like the Knights in the over in that one. And then we got a West Coast matchup at ten o'clock. The Ducks hosting the Kings. That'll be a fun one to watch. The Ducks are have gotten healthy. They got Corey Perry back, Getzloff back, Kessler back. So those are really three of their biggest pieces on the on the in terms of forwards. And they've each missed a, a relatively significant amount of time this season. They got them all back. But the Kings have been very strong this season uh, in terms of what they've been able to do. Obviously, they got a goaltender like Jonathan Quick. Veteran forwards are doing really well for them. Dustin Brown on Kopitar. Drew Doughty, obviously, leading that blue line is, is fantastic for them. So this is going to be a tough one to call in terms of the Ducks hosting the Kings. What do you think is going to happen there, Katie? Oh, I don't know. This one, it is, it is going to be a really close game. They're close in records. They're close with their players and their skill set. Um, I will give it – I think I'm going to go with Anaheim just because it's going to be in Anaheim, even though it's not too much of a difference mm-hmm. in distance. But I'll give it to Anaheim in front of their home fans. Absolutely. Can't go wrong with the Ducks at home, especially now that they they haven't – I predicted this team once they got those core, key, core, uh, key core players back to start going on a roll, but it's taken a little bit more time to gel than I had anticipated. But I think they've gotten to that point where the chemistry is back for them, and I like that pick as well, Katie. I'm going to go with the Ducks. I'm going to go with the under here, two solid defensive cores – Really great defensive talent on both ends. So I'm going to take the under and the Ducks at home. And that's going to do it for Friday's games. That's going to do it for our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been episode 11 of Outside the Glass. Check us out on puresportsnetwork.com as well for our online written content. Got a lot of good stuff going on on the website. And you can check our podcast there as well. Thank you for tuning in. And this has been Outside the Glass.